What's up guys, you know this is Muscle and this is another edition of Two Line Music Hut's Entertainment Report Podcast and believe you me family, this week's guest was amazing. This week we had the one, the only, Mr. Dwayne Morgan inside the building. This is a poet, a social entrepreneur, a writer, a photographer, a winner of multiple awards. I mean, this man is incredible and he actually came here and sat down and spoke the truth about the city, everything going on. This conversation is a conversation you wanted to hear and this one in particular is special to me because I'm happy to put this one out for Black History Month. This is the person that I wanted to speak to first and foremost for Black History Month. So you guys are in for a real treat. So what I need you to do is turn up those speakers or those headphones and get ready for a real experience all right this is another edition of two line music cuts entertainment report podcast enjoy this podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com Hi, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Hut's Entertainment Report podcast. And tonight, we have a really special guest in the building. I mean really special. We're talking about a poet, a speaker, a social entrepreneur, a writer, a photographer, and I'm pretty sure there's 10 or 12 more things I left after the list, but I'll let him introduce it to you. We have Dwayne Morgan in the building tonight. What's good, my brother? Uh, first, I just want to thank you for having me here. Thank um, you, and and you know it's a great platform just to community to you know to to connect with the community. So for sure, you know very very uh, eager and anxious to you know to, to talk about some stuff and see what's going on. Definitely, and I know a man like you, you're so busy. Mm. When I was going through, because I've been following you for a while, and then I went through your bio and I seen like, we're in. When does this guy sleep? When do you relax? <laughs> Holy smokes! Yeah, I think uh, you know one of those things is if you if you love what you're doing, then there's no need to relax. What are you, what are you relaxing from? You know what I mean? You so understand. you know, I, I only do things that I love to do, so yeah. that it's I never need a break from it. Clearly, so. wow! As I said, poet, mm-hmm. speaker, mm-hmm. writer, yes, photographer. Mm-hmm. Social entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. What else could we add to the list? Uh, let's see. Event producer. Yep. Uh, candidate in the last election. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scarborough Walk of Fame inductee. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably a few more other yeah. things that, you know, I mean, it depends, <laughs> more hats. it depends on what hat I'm wearing yeah. at the moment. You know yeah, I mean? so. we, we, it's just a couple more hats. I won't <laughs> say too much. It's just that. Wow. So let's go back to the beginning mm-hmm. because you're probably the longest poet that I know running in Canadian history. Mm. I don't know anybody that from the early 90s until now that's been doing poetry. Mm -hmm. So what got you into the arts per se? Growing up, did you want to be a poet or where did it start? Yeah, I had absolutely no desire to do poetry. Uh, I'm actually uh, an introvert, so to to do anything that would require me to be in front of people is not something I would have chosen to do. Uh, and we were doing a, a Black History Month assembly at my high school, and all my friends had talent. And I'm just like, yo, man, I'm, I have no talent. Nobody's going to see me shining. So I'm just like, yo, the easiest thing to probably do is just try and write a poem. Yeah. So I just wrote a poem to try to, you know, jump in this talent show with the rest of my friends. Yeah. And there were these two women from an organization called uh, the Tropicana Community Services I Organization remember. who mm-hmm. uh, happened to be in my school that day, and they heard this poem. They're just like, yo, we need to talk to you. Yeah. And they're just like, yo, they just started sending me out to things around the community to to do that one poem that they yeah. heard and then after a while people are like yo you got anything else so yeah. i had to write the next poem and and that's really how it started it was never something that i wanted to do uh but it was i guess what i was called to do 
I hear you. So it was not, that was not the plan at all. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. not. There, there actually was no plan. So I was one of those young people with no plan. Yeah. Uh, so this came at a, at a time when, um, you know, it was, um, you know, really necessary. Yeah. And, you know, just to, just to add a, a piece, like when you sent me the, the address for when we we're going to be doing the recording, yeah. uh, only the, the old school followers of mine would know this, but yeah. there's, a, there's a gym in the basement uh-huh. of the building here. And when I was starting out, there was actually nowhere to produce events. So I used to produce my events in the gym. Wow. In the basement okay. of, of this building. <laughs> so we would bring in a band and people, yeah. mans would come, you know, in their dress pants and a nice shirt and yeah. ladies would be in their dresses. And you'd be listening to a singer singing to the band on your right. And on yeah. the left is a yeah. man on a treadmill. <laughs> and it was just one of those things where it's yeah. like, you know what? If if there's no door of opportunity, you make you, a door. You, make you know, the door. You, you just make something yeah. happen. So, I mean, when I saw when I saw the address, I was like, that's yeah. that's a very historical address yeah. in terms of my life story and, and my development. It because a lot of things happened in this building. That's amazing. What's the chances that, eh? Yeah, yeah you know that's I mean? just how things wow, work. Yeah. That's that's full circle. Mm-hmm. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Wow, in the basement you started. Hey, so we're talking about this was 93 is when you said, okay, let's go into this full yeah, time. Yeah. So I guess you were always a good writer, but you've never seen taken right into that type of level before. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I was a good writer. I was just lazy. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, as a young person, yeah. I didn't really try in school. I was just doing yeah. what bare minimum to kind of get by and that yeah. sort of thing. And, um, you know, then this came along and it kind of gave me an opportunity to actually, you know, do something. And there were other people at the time, you know, Little X, who's Director X now, uh-huh. uh, people like Black Cat, Gemini, mm-hmm. Motion, a lot of people who were, you know, kind of doing their thing that I could look at and be like, oh, okay, all right, this is what it is. Okay. And, and um and then, yeah, I just kind of, you know, jumped in, in into it and, and, you know, I'm still still here going. Yeah. And what made you actually form your company up from the root? Um, I think it was it was the it was out of necessity because, again, you know, there weren't a lot of opportunities. There weren't open mics. There weren't there weren't things that we were welcome to be at as young black kids at the time. For a lot sure. of people who were, you know, established poets. They didn't like how we wrote, how we spoke. They didn't like the topics we were we were okay. speaking about. Yeah. So a lot of doors were closed for us. And as I've always been of of the mindset that all right, if if they don't want you to walk in their door, you just make it a door for yourself and bring your own people through it. Yeah. And I started up from the roots just to do that to mm-hmm. just start giving a platform to up and coming artists uh, like myself, so that we would actually have a a, a place yeah. uh, where you know, we could come together and, and just share and, and grow and develop as artists. That makes sense because to even say, okay, I'm going to start out as a poet, which isn't really something popular per se. So mm-hmm. there's not a lot of outlets. And then say, okay, I need a company to produce this. And you figure you look around, why not me? Mm-hmm. Let me do what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah. And then you just took it from there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's... Um, you know, and again, it's one of those things where as a young person, I didn't really have a template. I didn't yeah. know what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, everything was trial and error. You just got to just jump in and, and, yeah. and try and figure it out. But, yeah. you know, it, it was it was something that was so needed that that everyone was really positive towards mm-hmm. it because, you know, people realized what it was. And they realized that there weren't a whole lot of, you know, opportunities out there for, you know, people to actually just come out and, and try to be artists. Yeah. That's amazing because even the fact that you did that, because what was your first production or what was the first thing you did under the company? 
Uh, we started a, a series called Black Love, which was what we did here in 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 the gym downstairs, right. <laughs> and it was a, a show all about uh, just getting uh, you know poets, singers, dancers, and the theme was just love. Yeah, and they would all just come together, and and I mean. We would pack like hundreds of people in <laughs> into the gym. I'm sure it was a fire hazard yeah. or something, but <laughs> we would just pack hundreds of people in, and they were just the so hungry yeah. to to like just you know see their friends perform, and yeah. and and it was um, that series you know lasted for years. Mm-hmm. We we kept on doing that series, and uh, and then from there we kind of grew into other things as as new ideas would would come about, or as I started to travel and tour and meet different artists, and I'd be like, oh, I got to figure out a way to get you from where you're at to Toronto and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So everything kind of evolved from that initial uh, spark. That makes sense because especially then there was no internet or wasn't popular that time, so it was all word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of us were watching back then in the early '90s was like Cosby Show different world 227 and stuff Mm. so i'm pretty sure stuff like that was inspirational to you as in they're good actors they're good poets they had everybody on the show but we don't have anywhere in toronto Mm -hmm. to do something like that right yeah i mean there was uh there's definitely a void uh here uh i know uh black cat's show that he used to do called all truth spoken or poetry in motion was a really big uh show and he would have you know at that time you know like cardinal official and socrates and all these people would go and and some Sometimes they would do hip hop. Sometimes they would just do the lyrics to okay. whatever they were doing, yeah. and that was the that was the predecessor to what I was going to do. So when Black Cat decided uh, he didn't want to do his shows anymore, that's mm-hmm. really when I took over things yeah. and said, "All right, let me start." And you know, even when him and I connect, you know, he always you know respects the fact that I took it from where he left it and just reimagined it and yeah. did some whole different things, yeah. you know, outside of the realm of what he was doing. It wasn't just saying. This is what he's doing. I'm just going to continue it, yeah. but just totally make it my, you know, my own thing. Which makes sense because when you're in a realm with somebody, you want to make sure that if I'm going to step into the space, I bring something to it also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a brick laid already. So I need to come and lay my brick instead of just sitting on the brick, mm-hmm. which would make you unique in right. what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, um, you know, it's one of those things that I think a lot of times people struggle with. I mean, there's uh there's a thing happening right now, actually, just down the street called Rise Poetry, uh, where some young people get together every Monday, and it's like maybe a couple hundred young kids just get together, and okay. they're singers, dancers, hip-hop artists, uh, and it's a, a young poet who started it up, and they run this show every Monday down at the at the Burroughs Hall Community Center. Okay. And for me, you know, when, when they were just starting to really get popular, people were like, Oh, you know, aren't you, you know, threatened by this thing that's going on now? This, you know, the young people coming up. I'm like, you know, being threatened doesn't really make sense. You know, if if these young people are doing something, it's Mm -hmm. my job to mentor them. It's my job to be like, all right, here's what's come before you. Mm -hmm. Here's what the situation is. Mm -hmm. Let me help you bring it to a next place. Because, you know, at at my stage and age and, and point in life, you know, I'm kind of locked into how I see things. Yeah. And as young people coming up, you know, in a world where they've only known, you know, digital stuff, they've only known the internet, they've mm-hmm. only known cell phones, they've only known a black president, yeah. all of these kinds of things, yeah. they see the world completely different, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not for me to compete with them. I can't. Because it wouldn't we, make sense. We, you come from two completely different worlds. What's yeah. important is that what I have I give to them yeah. and and allow them to m- push it forward mm-hmm. and for them to respect who has come and laid the groundwork for them to be able to do what they're doing. And if yeah. we create that kind of relationship, then everybody benefits. And I think a lot of times in a lot of our industries, businesses, 
we don't really have an idea or a plan for how we pass things on to the next generation. We, we're so tied to holding on to everything uh, that we just die with knowledge and we die with all of this stuff for absolutely no reason. Yeah. And every generation has to restart, restart, restart. And that's why we're constantly in the same place. Yeah. And I think if more of us in whatever generation we're in, whatever it is that we're doing, if we actually look to see who are the young people interested in what I'm doing and how can I bring them along yeah. and, don't, and not be worried about if they pass me. You want them to pass you. They're supposed That's their to pass job. you. Their job is to see what you've done and then build upon it. Just like, as you said, Black Cat opened mm-hmm. the door for you. You've seen it and then you built upon it. Dwayne now opened the door for us. We'll see it and build upon it and yeah. keep it moving. Absolutely. absolutely. That makes sense. So, yeah. So, I don't compete with the young people. Yeah. It, doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. I only compete with me. That's Yeah. It. But the good thing with young people, as you said, they see things differently. Mm-hmm. So, you're going to teach them stuff, but as well, they're going to teach you stuff also. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? But and you have to you have to make sure that you're teachable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes, again, you know, you have 20 years experience in something, you feel you know it all. Yeah. And the minute you know it all, you don't know anything. You just admit you, you don't know anything. <laughs> I mean, so so these young people, they're coming up and they they have a whole different orientation to things. And I'm just like, all right, let me sit back and let y'all teach me some stuff. Yeah, I'll I'll give you everything I have. Y'all teach me some stuff, too. And and that's the only way to, you know, to stay relevant. You know, like Mm -hmm. this is 26 years now that I've been living off of poetry. Who who does this? You know, what I mean, it's like, so, you know, I tell that to people. They're like, how on earth do you live (laughs) off of poetry for 26 years in Canada, in Canada? Right. There's there's no media outlet. There's no, there's no nothing. There's no yeah. infrastructure, right? Yeah. But I found a way. So you know, I can't, I can't be there and be like, well, the, the young people don't have value to me. It's yeah. just like, no, you guys are going to see things and be able to to show me some different ways to still stay relevant mm-hmm. with young people, with youth culture, and all of these yeah. kinds of things, so that you don't just end up being the old guy in the club or the yeah. old dinosaur <laughs> guy or whatever, right? Yeah, you know what I mean, you're still relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, even yeah, 26 years, and then when you get to 46 years, you're going to look back at 26 years and think you were doing something and realize you didn't even mm-hmm. start yet. Mm-hmm. When you get to 50 years, it's all okay. You know what? Mm-hmm. I did something. Yeah. And would you still consider the scene a uh, somewhat underground type of scene? Yeah, I mean it's 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 still pretty underground. I think there there really isn't um, that much happening right now. I mean it 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 has its ebbs and flows and yes. stuff. So there are times when it's really popular. There's times when it's not as popular. And mm-hmm. and I mean your your thing as an artist is trying to figure out is how you survive the different ebbs and flows and and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why it's always good to have other things to do and other things to fall back on and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, but right now there really isn't a whole lot happening. There's definitely been times when there were like more shows, more opportunities, more you know, more things that are consistently happening. And right now there's um, there's a, a bit of a, a void. And okay. I, I feel you know within the next few years there'll be another resurgence of you know voices coming up. Okay, so you're saying a void because you don't find that there's too many artists involved in the scene right now that's what has it kind of quiet there's only the top tier or people trying to break in there's no real main body to hold it up right now that's what you find is going on yeah there's no real middle ground per se so Mm -hmm. i mean the the rise poetry thing that i mentioned that happens every monday it's a lot of young people they come out and then there's really nothing and then there's my like when brothers speak or when sisters speak which is the top shows in north america so in the between that 
there's a big gap of yeah. what's really going on that's consistent. There's a little one-off here, one-off there, yeah. but things that are actually really consistent that people can go out. Like if somebody said, hey, you know what? I want to go hear some poetry. Like where would they go? There's yeah. there's nowhere to, to no, go. There's no right? that bar or lounge, you know, okay, every Tuesday night, this is what's going right. to happen. So that, yeah, so that doesn't exist at, yeah. at the moment. Yeah. All right. And what do you think it would take to actually bring something like that into play right now in the modern Toronto that we're in right now? I mean, it really just takes somebody to um, to do it, yeah. uh, to, to put it on. I think the, the problem is that, um, you know, when you look at the ebbs and flows, you also have to look at um, the artists as well. Yeah. There's, there's, just, there's a lot of poets out there that are boring that suck, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like you kind of have to, sometimes you kind of have to wait until... Yeah. They lose their luster, they lose their desire for it, and they move on to something else. And you'd be like, all right, finally, now we can start the thing again, you know yeah, what I mean? Because it's yeah. like, you know, when, when these people are there, and, and they don't realize that, you know, when you go out and you're not entertaining and somebody's there, they don't want to come back again. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, there's only so many times you can go up and try to save the day and whatever, and, and yeah. then it just becomes about you, and I never want it to be about me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, sometimes it's like, when you don't have enough people to pull from, then it's hard to even establish yeah. something that's even a monthly thing or whatever because it's like you need consistent people to be able to, so that when people know, mm-hmm. hey, if I come here and I spend five, ten dollars or whatever, I'm going to hear some good yeah. stuff when I'm here. It makes sense, you know what I mean? And I guess somebody like you, do you do any mentorship program where you say, okay, you know what? I have a good handle on what I'm doing. I've been doing this for a while now. You say, okay, you know what? I'm going to bring in some people in the fold and train them. What's it done? Okay, don't do that. Do this. Okay, you're good at that, but try this instead. Where do you stand with something like that? Yeah, I don't have a, a formal uh, program that um, that I do, but the the young man who runs the Rise Poetry, I mentor him. So we uh, we get together, you know, once every few months or whatever, and we just talk about ideas, yeah. things that he's going through, where he's at, and I kind of you know give um, advice. And him and I are actually working on creating a festival for for this uh, uh, summer. And I pitched the idea to him and I said, you know, it's important with the position that I'm in and the position that you're in that we actually work together and create this thing where we can bring the older and the younger together and actually show that we're actually working together for the benefit of everybody. So, I mean, him and I have that project that we're working on right now. Uh, And then I have a a few other artists, uh, about three or four that I that I mentor as well. So if there's different things that that I can't do, then I reach out to them to do it uh, on my behalf. And, Mm. you know, they get paid and, and that sort of thing. And and I can I can push things over to them because I know. They've ha- been under my tutelage, so I don't have to worry about yeah. it. I'm just like, hey, if you book this person, you're, They're you're, good. you're good. All right? So you don't have to worry about that. So. All right. So I guess you, even if you're not there physically, you have a finger mm-hmm. in what's going on. You always have a finger on the pulse. Absolutely. You yeah. know what I mean? And the good thing with it, especially somebody like you that's so in tune with the younger generation, the younger people, especially in Toronto, your feet are always on the ground. Mm-hmm. Somebody like you, I think, would be the best person to at least entertain this question. In the last at least say year, the gun violence has really spiked in Toronto. Mm. What do you think the problem is? And then if we know what the problem is, what do you think the solution is? Um, I mean, I think the the problem, and I don't want to get, you know, cliche into a lot of things, but the problem is, you know, to, in order to kill someone, you have to believe that that person is less than human. Okay. In order to believe that this person is less than human and put your life on the line, you also believe that you are less than. What tells our young people that they are less than? Yeah. 
And that starts early. Yeah. That starts early in life. Sometimes it starts with, you know, no no male figure. Sometimes it starts in the educational system. Sometimes it starts with what you watch on TV. When do you see people who look like you in a in a positive light? Mm-hmm. Right? So subconsciously, yeah. these ideas of being less than are there. Okay. A lot of the popular music that we listen to tells us that yeah. we are less. Even music made by people who look like me tells me we yeah. are less than. Yeah. They're just amplifying that thought process. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. right? So, so then you get into a point where in the back of your head, something says I'm less than. Yeah. And then you look at society and people have more than you. Mm-hmm. People are doing better than you. You know, if you come from uh, an environment that, um, you know, isn't well-to-do, mm-hmm. we live in a capitalistic world. In a capitalistic 100%. world, you're told that your value is based on what you have. Yeah, for sure. So if you have something and I don't have something, and if you're somebody and I'm nobody and I want to be somebody, then I'm going to take what you have. And then now I will in turn become a somebody. And now I'm with, somebody. With that way of thinking. Right? Yeah. But I'm somebody for a short period of time because eventually you're going to come back for what I took yeah. from you. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's how a lot of this stuff just kind of happens. Yeah. Right? And it's just a... A mentality that it's hard to put your finger on because it happens so subtly. Yeah. Right? A lot of the times, you know, a lot of you, if you ask some of these kids' parents, their parents would never think this would be my kid. Yeah. Right? But the stuff happens so subtle and so easy. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, yo, you want to even, even at, at um, you know, you're at school at lunchtime. Your kids go, your, your friends go out for lunch. You don't yeah. have no money to buy lunch. I know that. Right? Feeling. And you're Trust just like... Me. Yo, everybody's eating it, and you're the one person who's yeah. there begging people for French fries and this and that, mm-hmm. and that's eating mm-hmm. away at you, eating away at you, eating away yeah. at you, and you're just feeling like nobody, nobody, nobody. Yeah. And then somebody says, you know, you know what, you could do this and be somebody. Planted the seed right there. The seed is and then there. They just start to water it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then so, so that's really ultimately what it is. Yeah. You know, a lot of the issues are internal within our community mm-hmm. and a lot of the solutions are internal with yeah. our in, within our community mm-hmm. uh you know when we look at solutions it's like you know people talk about oh no father in the home or whatever that's neither here nor there because yeah. if you're a man and i'm a man it doesn't matter if there's a father in the home there's a father in society you know what i mean makes sense i walked here with my daughter i'm not just her father if mm-hmm. i see some other young people wiling out i'm supposed to say yo bridget yeah like, what are you really doing yeah. right now? You know Back what I mean? Back to the where it takes a village. Yeah. We're part of this village. Absolutely. It's now a global village, but we are part of it. Yeah. So, I mean, so we're responsible. If we're not if we're not going to step up and be like, yo, call a spade a spade and, yeah. and, and speak out when certain things need for us to speak out on it, yeah. then we're also part of the problem. We're complicit in for what sure. is happening, mm-hmm. right? So because, you know, I go to schools and I have this rapport with young people, enough times, you know, I go into different, you know, um, areas of the city to do workshops and stuff mm-hmm. like that and you see the the kids there or whatever and your head tells you that because of where you are these are bad kids yeah and these kids just need someone to be like yo Bridget, what's going mm-hmm. on just yeah. talk to them yeah you know what i mean figure you know what I mean? out what is really going talk on. to them without judgment yeah you know what i mean without already that yeah. preconceived yeah. idea of who this person is not talking down to them either it's like okay i know clearly i'm older you know i'm older too but just Talk to me one-on-one, mm-hmm. and let's try to figure out what's going on here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so many of these kids are responsive to mm-hmm. it. I mean, some of them will cuss you and yeah. whatever. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and I think a lot of us kind of fear, you yeah. know, that or whatever. And we fear a lot of our young people. But, you know, my experience is like when you come at young people a certain way, they, they just respond. There's just like, all right, this guy's not a threat to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because more times it's like, 
you have to be hard, you have to be tough, and, right. and all of these things. And, and I think, you know, the other part of the equation, too, is that, you know, we have this idea of, of manliness, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, the manliness is you, you, the bravado, the toughness, and it's in the hip-hop, it's mm-hmm. in the dance hall, it's mm-hmm. in all of this kind of stuff, you know, how you treat women, the violence, the this and the that. Mm-hmm. And then you have young people who are getting shot and killed in the streets, and these same young men don't have an outlet to grieve, yeah. to mourn, because how do you mourn when you're, you're not tough. When, when you have no feelings? Yeah, when you're tough. Yeah. Why are you crying for? Yeah, what, 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 yeah, yeah. what is that, yeah. right? Yeah. So many young people are ticking time bombs, right, of emotions yeah. that are built up inside that they have no outlet mm-hmm. for how to get rid of. Yeah. And something pops off, and bam, here it comes. Yeah. And this person who you thought, not my kid, who didn't have an outlet, mm-hmm. Now is wiling out. Becomes so, your kid. Right. So that's why for me, it's like I work with young people to give them outlets. Yeah. You dance? All right. You come here and dance. Mm-hmm. You want to write a poem? Yeah. Because I'm trying to save your life. Right? And I've understood how many lives have been touched, how many lives have been saved simply by having an outlet. Yeah. Right? And when you don't have that outlet, it's easy to just go wild out and be like, yo, let me go shoot up here or there or whatever because... I'm nobody, so yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Somebody gets me, I get arrested. Who cares? Whatever. You know what I mean? Society goes on. Yeah, keep taking it doesn't matter. What do you think would be a short-term solution for what's going on then? I mean, short-term solution, I don't think that exists. Okay. Because this is a problem that, that can only be addressed in a, in a long-term okay. kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing that we can do and say, all right, we're going to do this and all the shootings are going to stop in the mm-hmm. next six weeks. That yeah. It's just not going to happen yeah. because, you know, street justice moves faster than, than we can even think, right? Things is being plotted right now, yeah. right? That we don't even <laughs> know. Very we, yeah, we're going to yeah. hear about things on the news yeah. on Saturday that's yeah. being plotted right now, right? A lot of people think that a lot of those problems just happen right there, right then, but no. This one, there was planning. Yeah, they just planning. They, they know somebody's schedule. They know yeah. when they're coming home, what bus they're on, all this kind of... Mm-hmm. There's surveillance that goes yeah. into these things. I'm just like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, so these aren't often stupid people. These yeah. are people who have skills, but they're applying the skills to the wrong things, right? These are That's marketable right. skills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you just don't even realize that there's a market for that yeah. in the legal world, Yeah, right? <laughs> you don't even right. realize. Because you haven't been exposed to that to even know that you know what, I could transfer this skill right here over here and I would, I could go to sleep at night. Absolutely. Nobody's looking for me. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? So I think the, you know, the short term, there, there really isn't such thing as a short term. There's, okay. there's a long-term investment, a long-term shift in our consciousness mm-hmm. as, as a community where we realize that this is all of our problem. Because we all know that when we hear about a shooting on the news, in every black household, you, everyone sits there and says... The words, you're taking the thoughts <laughs> out of... Continue. You're taking the thought right out of my head. Continue. All right. So everybody sits there and says, please don't be black. Please don't be black. Please Number don't be black. one thing. Yeah. Number and the minute one. they say suspect or whatever, a young black male... Oh, oh gosh. You so get the, it. The fact that you have that response means that you're invested. Yeah. So if you're invested, what are you going to do about it? Makes sense. So don't be, oh, it's another black... And don't do nothing about it. This don't make no sense. That means you have a role to play. What's the whole point of acknowledging that there's a problem and you're not trying to fix this problem at all? Just, okay, I'll just leave it alone. Yeah, because everybody thinks that, you know, the police are going to do it. Everyone believes that it's just in this area or it's just these kind of kids. 
until it happens to somebody that you know. Yeah. Till it hits your family. Mm-hmm. Until there's mistaken identity. Until you're on the Danforth and you are just eating the ice cream and something pops wow. off. So everybody thinks it's it's somebody else's issue. Yeah. Until it hits them, and then when it hits you, you're on social media. You want GoFundMe. You want this. You want all these kind of things. But you didn't care before, right? Until it hit you. How about prevention is always better than cure? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, again, prevention is, is really creating opportunities for young people. Yeah. Right? Giving them jobs, giving them internships, giving them apprenticeships, being able to be like, yeah, you know what? That thing that you're doing right now that's illegal, yeah. let me show you how you can do this legally. Mm-hmm. Let me show you how you can move from where you are to a whole other way of life. You know, I met, I was working with this young man, um, not working with him, but I was doing a a thing downtown like in Regent Park some years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was kind of asking them like, what do you guys want out of life? Because so many of them were just so misguided. And he's just like, man, all I want to do is just like move out of here and like live in Ajax or somewhere, man. Like (laughs) Something that simple. Yeah, and all of his friends laughed at him like, yo, what's wrong with this guy? And all of his friends probably were on a path to being in jail or dead. Yeah. And all he wanted was to just move from where he was mm-hmm. to some place that like had a lawn. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, it's that simple. So how can I show you how to do that? Yeah. That's all it takes. It makes sense. But you see, this is where I'm kind of conflicted when it comes to opportunity. We grew up without the internet. If you didn't know somebody that knew somebody or had an encyclopedia or something, you just didn't know. Now, knowledge is right here. The same thing that a lot of the young kids are using to show the money, phone, smoke the weed and stuff is the same thing that could teach you a lot of knowledge. Mm. So when people say there's not really no opportunity, I'm the one to say, nah, there's too much opportunity. If you just took five minutes to Google something, instead of Googling madness, use that same Google and Google something that makes sense. Mm. What's that problem there? Well, I think it, 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 I mean, it comes down to the world that we live in right now, again, mm-hmm. is based on instant gratification. 100%. Right? So it's like to Google and research. <laughs> like, what, what is that? What do you, what do you mean? So yeah. wait, so I'm going to, I'm going to research it and then nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Like instantly. instantly. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I could go on Instagram, I could flip through, I could look at two girls and I could feel nice. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, that's instant. Yeah. But go yeah. on Google and research. Nope. Why, yeah. why would I do that? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So we've, we've built uh, a, an element of laziness yeah. into young people that we accept as mm-hmm. being okay. Yeah. Right? I mean, even back in, in our day, you know, if you're listening to Nas and Nas says something in a song and you're like, yo, I don't even know what he means. You go yeah. and find a book yeah. and be like, yo, let me look and see what, what, this, what, what this guy's talking about. Yeah. Now it's a different era of music. Yeah. Like nobody says nothing that you have to go look up. <laughs> you might have to be like, yo, what does that mean on yeah. the streets or whatever? Yeah. But other than that, no one's really, you know, talking on those kinds of kinds of things. But it's like the young people just want everything to be spoon fed to them mm-hmm. and they don't understand, you know, how important work is. Having a work ethic. Work and patience. Yeah. And I, you know, when I go to schools and I talk to young people, I'm like, y'all would die Mm -hmm. if you had to be farmers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because your mentality is plant the seed and then go sit at the table and the food is coming. By tomorrow morning, it's ready. Yeah. But a farmer knows you plant the seed. You're not seeing nothing for like eight months. You got to go out there, till the soil, pour water on it, Mm -hmm. hope it rains, all these kinds of things. And then... Mm -hmm. You reap a harvest. Yeah. 
And these kids out here just want to throw down a seat and, and, and put on a bib and have a knife and fork and be yeah. like, yo, it's time that's to eat. It, yeah. And that's not how life works, mm-hmm. right? So we're also not doing a good job at teaching kids how life works. And I think I agree with you wholeheartedly because we could sit here and say, okay, this is the problem. This is the problem. This is the problem. But what are we actually with our actions? What are we showing anybody with our actions? Mm. And that's really what it comes down to. What are you doing to help fix this problem? Because we know there's a problem. So what are your actions? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, even with, with my daughter, you know, I... I bring her to stuff. I make her volunteer at my events. You know, I'll, I'll sometimes give her money for it or whatever because I want her to see, yeah, you got to work for this stuff, yeah. you know? And it's not everything that I do. I like to do it. Yeah. But you like nice stuff. So I have to do it so you can get the nice stuff, right? And it's, you know, until she's old enough to be working for herself and really understand the value of money, this is the only way that she's going to understand that, yeah, to get things, you have to do stuff. You got to go out there and you have to work. You have to go out there and hustle. You got to yeah. wake up when you rather be in bed. Like, this is just what it is. Discipline. Yeah, it, it's the discipline that gets you the things that you want, mm-hmm. right? But we have, you know, these young people who just have this mindset that, yeah, the stuff that I want is just going to come to me. Yeah. It's like, come from where? <laughs> what are, it's going to come through the Instagram screen. <laughs> I'm going to see it, like it, and it's just going to appear in my lap. Yeah, like, it's like, what are you talking about? And, and... You know, then when you look at how we transfer knowledge from generation to generation, mm-hmm. you have people in, you know, other communities where they have a business or they have this or whatever. And then that just gets passed down to the son or the daughter. And then that just gets passed down because they groom them mm-hmm. to, hey, hard work. This is what we do. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Pass it on. Every generation for us, we start and over again, over again. We're not passing on any skills, yeah. anything for that next generation. Any like, business, any idea, any something that's second and third generation, mm-hmm. especially from a Canadian standpoint. Yeah. Because Americans, they've been there longer, so then they kind of get things. Mm-hmm. Your work ethic is way crazier yeah. than ours. They get it. But from a Canadian standpoint, it's really... It's really different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they don't get it. That's why even now, I want to ask you, okay, yeah, there's problems, they're shooting all that. What's the attraction to a gun? What is it that a gun in particular? Because you could stab somebody, you could run them over, you could hit them with a rock, but it's this gun. Mm. What is it about the gun? Well, first thing, with with a knife, you have to be close to somebody. Yeah. Right? Most of these guys are cowards. They're just scared for all that. You know what I mean? So a gun, you could be like far off and be like, yo, pow, 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 and just run. You know what I mean? And and, and the danger for the rest of us is that these guys aren't going to the gun range and practicing whatever. So when they decide to pop off, if we're in the area, that's that's on everybody. You know what I mean? So everybody has to be taking this stuff seriously because Mm -hmm. anywhere that these guys see somebody that they're trying to find, everybody else is in danger. Right, no matter who we are, what it we look make, like, it doesn't make sense. So whatever, right? Yeah. And you have to also think that when you have young people or people in general who are powerless, mm-hmm. and if I pulled out a gun right now, I have the power in the room. And that's really what it comes down to. And that's what it comes down to because it's like everybody wants to feel like there's somebody. Everybody wants to feel powerful. And you're not as powerful yeah. when you hold a knife. Yeah. I might pull out a bigger <laughs> knife. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you pull out the gun first, then it's yeah. like, hey, you got yeah. the power in the room. But you know what, what I, mean? I try to tell people, it's like this. Okay, if only one gun was made mm. and you're the only human being with it, you have all the leverage in the world. But if there's 10 of us in this room 
and all 10 of us have a gun. Mm. Now we're right back down to zero. Mm. None of us have a gun mm. because that's really what it comes down to. So I guess from the understand that say, listen, this is not as fancy and as powerful as you really think it is because there's so much of them out here. Mm. It's just you in this time being in this little circle here, you have the power now, but really and truly that's no power, brother. No, it isn't, but it's it's the illusion of power, yeah. right? And when you when you live a life where you're powerless, yeah. the illusion of power is huge power, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, that's that's a big thing, you know. What I mean, there's 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 girls out there who who yeah, you say you have a a gun, just oh yeah, yeah. you know. what I mean, it, it's this cool thing. Oh, yeah. he's the bad boy. He's this yeah. is that or whatever, and. That's the warped part of the mentality of what is happening, you know, in our, you know, under under the the layers of of our society, right? Yeah. With that whole underground culture that is that is out there, mm-hmm. and it's, um, you know, again, it's fueled by the music, it's fueled by the videos, it's fueled on world star hip hop mm-hmm. and all these kinds of things or whatever, and it's it's glorified as this stuff is cool. But I have gone to the hospital. And seen a young man that I used to work with and his head was twice the size it could be and was bandaged up because he got shot in his head. I know what that looks like. Right. So when you're just watching world star, yeah. these things, you don't see the reality of what of really what this thing can do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I never even want to see a next person looking yeah. like that again. And that young man, he didn't make it. And it was just like, you know what? Just 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 to see. Yeah. The damage that can be done, you know, mm-hmm. by this thing that people are taking so lightly is yeah. is horrendous. Mm-hmm. I know. I think there should be more people like you in the areas that actually say, "Okay, come, let's go on some excursions." Like when you watch um, any what's that jail show called? Um, uh, like, Scared Straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If they had programs like that where they say, okay, you guys like this, no problem, you know, because some people like badness, some people like church, no problem. Mm. But if you like badness, let me give you a glimpse to what could happen. Mm. Carry them to the jail, carry them to the funeral home, carry them to a funeral where a mom just lost her son or lost her dad and see how she feels. And remember, this is most likely another black mom. So it's like looking at your mom. Mm. Would you want your mom to be acting like that? Mm-hmm. And that's really what I think it is. There's more people like you are needed in the city to really scared straight. Mm. Well, I think a lot of them to glamorize jail, glamorize yeah. the idea of like they want to get their stripes. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and when you can say, yeah, I've been there. Mm-hmm. It's like this badge of honor. So, I mean, it's like I always hurt that, you know, I do I do a lot of not a lot, but I visit the, the youth detention centers. I visit okay. the jails, the prisons. I go in there and I talk to, to, to the people or whatever. And it's just like to see how many people who look like me are in there. You know, what I mean, I'm just like, man, y'all, y'all. I don't know if you all thought this is what it is, yeah. but, you know, like talking to them and just hearing the remorse that a lot of them have hearing, you know, them realizing like. Yeah, you know what? Mm-hmm. Life sucked on the outside, yeah, but it didn't true. suck this bad. Yeah. <laughs> this great. is way worse. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and actually, you know, like for me though, the the worst part, like when people ask me about you know going to the jails and stuff, I say the worst part for me is when the door closes behind me because the sound of that door is like nothing else yeah. I've ever heard. And the I, echo, I, like yeah, it lasts forever in your brain. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'm like. I know I'm coming out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next few hours, I'm walking yeah. out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have an escort to walk me out. I have an escort while I'm in here. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, no big thing for me yeah. other than what it does to your psyche to yeah. see 
human beings behind bars. But for some of these guys, when yeah. they hear that clink, clink, and that echo, yeah. they're not coming out. Yeah. And not anytime soon, right? You know, they might they might go in and, you know, they know Instagram and then they come mm. out. No, Instagram. No, yeah. he's on Instagram no. again. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what was right. that? Where, where you right. been? You know what I mean? Yeah. But they, so much of their life now is just spent confined to this, like, concrete thing where they, someone tells them when yeah. you can go outside and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, it is horrible to see, for me, for my spirit, to actually see people locked up. 100% uh, So, you know, it, it takes a lot for me when I, when I have to go to the jails and the prisons mm-hmm. and, and, and talk to people. And, you know, even when I go there, it's, you know, I don't, I don't judge nobody. I don't ask anybody what they did. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, I don't care. Yeah. I'm here, and in these few moments, I want to try to give you something that even if you're in here, you can use it. Yeah. And if you get out, you can use it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's my whole thing is just just try to uplift people wherever they're at. I just try to uplift people. I just try to give people some positivity that they could see something else. Because even when they're in the jail, I say, hey, where you're at isn't who you're at. Yeah. Isn't that, that's, this isn't who you are necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you can do things in here to change your circumstances, mm-hmm. right? Whether that means your circumstances when you're inside or your potential circumstances when you get outside. But... Use this time while you're here and do something. Yeah. Change yourself. You know what I mean? Makes sense. And sometimes you know you're going to come back out and end up back in the exact same neighborhood that you were in, around the exact same people or whatever. So what can make you make a different decision, right? Mm -hmm. Because some people, they hate their time in jail and come out and do the exact same things that's going to put them right back in there. What was the whole point? Nothing, right? So it's like, what can I say to you? that might potentially help you see your value Mm -hmm. so that you don't end up back in here again. Which makes sense, which brings me to another thing, mental health, Mm. especially in our community and the men, our boys in our community. I don't think as black people, only now we're starting to have this conversation Mm. around mental health, what you're feeling, how you're thinking. But I think a lot of these people that's doing a lot of the unnecessary crime, because I get it, you know, you might feel disrespected, so you got to go deal with that. Somebody came and disrespected your people or hurt your people, so you got to go. I get that, you know. But a lot of them, when you look in your eyes, you could see something's not right here. Mm. It's got mental health. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing when you go on road when it's concerned with mental health, especially in the black community? Well, I mean, it's definitely been a, a huge problem. Um, I actually used to work with the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Okay. And if you um, you would go down to the the their Queen Street facility and actually see how many people from our community mm-hmm. are our patients in that facility. Okay. And nobody visits them or whatever because it's like mental health is so taboo that if you kind of lose your mind a bit, yeah. you're outcast, you're just just mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Right? And and it's the saddest thing to just walk through and see so many people who look like my relatives, your relatives or whatever, just mm-hmm. there struggling with whatever's demons are or whatever's happening, yeah. you know, in their heads. And I think that, you know, when we look at our society, we have to look at where a lot of this stuff comes from. Um, you know, racism mm-hmm. plays, a, plays a part in how we see ourselves, the thoughts that start to For go sure. through, you know, our, our heads and that sort of thing. I mean, when you walk into an environment that you're unfamiliar with and you say, to yourself, well, do these people see me as a person or see my color? Mm-hmm. The fact that you're even having that thought. That's a problem. It's problematic, but mm-hmm. it's a thought that we all have when yeah. we walk into a, an area yeah. that we're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. 
And so all of these things that we are constantly thinking that other people don't have to think about weigh on our mental health. For sure. And then, you know, we have weed and, and different things that also act on you know a lot of these things as well and i have no issue with anybody smoking weed or whatever mm. but you also have to know that if you're on the borderline around your mental health these things can bring it to a, a, a whole other level not everybody's intended to drink alcohol smoke weed or whatever the case is because they're not going to be affected the same way mm-hmm. how it affects me might not be the same way it affects you and it's just you have to know that mm-hmm. and that's the real difference there yeah yeah smoke if you want to smoke it's legal no that's not a problem drink if you want to drink but if your body especially when you're 14 15 and 16 trying to be cool where your body's still matured and then you're dumping in all of this on top of the fast food too on top of what you're watching on top of what you're listening, on top of what you're feeling, that's just one explosion just waiting to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And all, all of these things weigh on the mental health of our young people and our, our community as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's it's serious out there right now. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm glad somebody like you came into the podcast where, yeah, it's an entertainment report. We're here for entertaining. We're going to get into all that. But we could also get deep, too, and talk about what's going on. Mm-hmm. After this is done, we say, okay, good night. We still need to walk through the store and live in a real world, yeah, which absolutely. is Toronto. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to really figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's amazing there. All right, let's get to some of your accomplishments here. All right. I know that you have published mm-hmm. 10 books. Mm-hmm. How did you do something, especially coming from a place where you didn't, writing was not even a thing to you in the first place? Mm-hmm. Walk us through the process, how you went from book one to book 10, and give us some of the names and what they're about. All right, so um, we're actually up to 12 books now. So, 12. Uh, uh, <laughs> we passed that about um, two years ago. And so, so here's, here's the thing. The, uh, the very first book that I did was just a small book uh, of like 15 poems in it. And that same organization, the Tropicana Community Services Organization, they put up the money. They lent me the money okay. to do that book. Uh, somebody who worked on staff there designed it, all that kind of stuff for me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just had to pay them back after I sold the book. Yeah. So um, so that came out. That was called um, Straight from the Roots. That came out in 1995. Yes. I and I, that I saved the money from that. And the next year, put out another book on my own. This one called The Revolution Starts Within. Okay. Uh, and I don't even include those two in the 12, right? Those were, those were just like this early, early Testers, days or whatever. Let's yeah. see what... And so what I, was that second book? It was the revolution. Called the revolution started. starts with it. And what was the premise of that? So book? most of the most of the books have just been um, collections of poetry. Okay. So the majority have been collections of poetry. I have one uh, that's English and French, where the poems are translated into French, and okay. that one came out in in Belgium. Okay. Um, I have two children's books, and I have one uh, memoir. Okay. Right. So everything else is just a collection of of poems. And what actually made you say, you know what? Doing it live is cool, but let me do something where you could actually take it home. What made you decide to write books? Um, well, I mean, it's always a matter of finding different revenue streams. Yeah. So, you know, people would would see me at events and they'd be like, oh, do you, ha- do you have a CD or do you have a, 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 you know, a book or whatever? And I was like, no. And I was just mm-hmm. like, man, I'm leaving a lot of money yeah, on the table on the right table. here. Uh-huh. So I'm just like, all right, let me, let me uh, fix that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. I'm always putting, there's always a new book, a new album or something coming so that I can always, you know, feed that desire that, mm-hmm. that people have. And, um, you know, it's also been very good at, at 
you know, you can send that stuff, you know, internationally to try to get bookings, different yeah. things or whatever, because you just look more serious when you have stuff. It's a big, right? it's a business card, basically. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? it, it works both ways. Mm-hmm. Business card, plus it's something good to read and take home. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, that that was it. I mean, the majority, uh, two of the 12 were published by other people. Okay. And I self-published the other 10. Okay. So, you see, I'm not really versed with a book. When you say published by other people opposed to self-published, mm. what's the real difference? <clears throat> Who's paying for it? Yeah. <laughs> so when I say published by other people, they, yeah. they pay for it. They they put up the money. Okay. Uh, layman's they, terms. Yeah, they did the they did the promo. They did all that kind of stuff. So I mean, the the one that was translated uh, was one of the ones that was um, published by other people. So as okay. I said, that was in in Belgium. So they they brought me to Belgium, um, you know, and and we we did a book launch out there and, okay. and stuff like that. So I worked with a woman in Montreal to do all the translations and that sort of thing. So. So that was a very um, interesting and different, you know, kind of experience. And then, um, yeah, from there, all the others, I just kind of, you know, put up the money. I, I, I have friends who, you know, do graphic design, do layout, who yeah. own printing presses, different things. So you just kind of call on the people that you know, get it done um, as professionally as possible, mm-hmm. and then just get it out there. And hopefully, you know, people resonate with it and they buy it. Makes sense, because that's a good thing we have in a network. Mm-hmm. Once you have a network, okay, I could call this person here, this person does that, he put it together, and then here we have the finished product, mm-hmm. which is a book. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things that I say to kids in high school, too. It's like, you know, I, I've never been the greatest student. Yeah. I didn't want to go to university. My parents made me go to university, and yeah. I, I, I'm grateful that I did. But most of the people that I work with now, like on my books and all of these things are people I met in university, Yep. right? So it's the like- People are the ROI. I, yeah, I was, I was in university really networking yeah. to find out. I'm just like, well, everybody else here is trying to do something with their life. Mm-hmm. So these are probably people I need to know. Yep. And just kind of, you know, be like, all right, who's, who are you? What do you do? What are your interests? Who are you? But, and, and really just build a network of people that I know mm-hmm. that are really about doing stuff. And even to this day, years later, we still worked it. Oh, here's a project. All right, no yeah. problem. I got you. I got you. I got you. And they need something. They come to me. No problem. I got it. Right. And and that's just that's just how it is. Right. Because, it's almost like a plug and play. Yeah, that's it. You know what I mean? So it's like so the value of higher education isn't necessarily always just the sitting in the class, but it's also who else is here. Yeah that I probably wouldn't have met any other way. Because we're here for one common goal, which is to learn something, to go out in the world and be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so with the books, I know you also recorded a few albums. Mm-hmm. All right, how many albums do you actually have on? Uh, eight albums right now. Eight albums. Yeah. Wow. Two more coming this year. This year? Yeah. So you usually do a two a year. They have no schedule. They have a schedule. What's the deal with the uh, albums? They have no schedule. I, I mean, I have... Five albums that are just done on my computer, so they'll come out whenever I want to okay. put them out. So I've yeah. decided that two will come out this yeah. year, and the other three will come out, you know, whenever. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've been doing this so long that my first album was a cassette. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So sometimes yeah. I go to schools and I'm like, yo, this is my first album right here. And they're like, what is that? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, so, yeah. you know, but I just want people to know that it's like, this isn't, I haven't just arrived here. I've been yeah. doing this for a long time. You know? And you remember the year that your first album came out? Uh, the cassette we did in 1997. 97, eh? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. And what kind, when we say album, what kind of albums are they? 
Um, so the last one that I did was a reggae album. So it's it's um, I used a reggae band, and it's just me doing the poems. And there's a reggae band, okay. you know, behind it. So yeah. it's like, you know, the same drop leaf rhythm, all these yeah. kind of things, or whatever. They just did the band just play stuff, yeah. and I just do do a poem over it. So I mean, That's pretty smart. the 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 next step from that would be now to start like trying to apply to like reggae festivals and yeah. different things or whatever and just try and head out there like with the band and just yeah. kind of like just do some some shows yeah that's pretty that's pretty smart mm-hmm. i know i know even on other you worked on other people's album mm-hmm. like um baby blue mm-hmm. um did you work on drake's album or he worked on yours or you guys recorded something together um, we were in the studio recording some stuff together. I wrote some interludes for him for his very first uh, mixtape uh, that came out, and and is it was interesting because like just to see how life progresses. Because yeah. in was this maybe two thousand and five? Okay, I think Alicia Keys was here for a World AIDS Day concert, and yeah. I was one of the opening acts yeah. for that. And he was in the audience. Yeah, <laughs> and he was in the audience with a friend of mine. And he's like, yo, that guy was dope. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I know that guy. Yeah. So she gave him my number. And he hit me up and he's like, yo, I saw you at the concert, blah, blah, blah. Can you mm-hmm. listen to some of my stuff? So we went down to the studio just for him to play me some of his songs or whatever. And I'm just like, yo, this stuff is, is dope. Mm-hmm. So then I'm just like, hey, you know what? Let me write some interludes for this and that. He didn't end up using them, but I'm yeah. just like, yeah, it was still just dope to actually see from there where he's become now. You know what I mean, and to be and to see that he had the work ethic, the drive. His music was great from back then, mm-hmm. and he's still just doing it, but just doing it on a whole different level right yeah. now. You know what I mean? So that's so crazy. He's in the crowd. Say, hey, I like that guy. Mm-hmm. That guy happened to be you when we happened to connect, and then now look at the platforms that he's on right now. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to even think of that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's how life is, man. Yeah. yeah. Even with the baby blue stuff, how did that come around? Well, again, it's like. You know, we were all growing up together, right? So, I mean, back in the day, you know, the big thing was like Windsor Sports Weekend uh-huh. and, you know, and at Western and all these kind of things. So, because of who I was, well, everybody booked me, right? Because mm-hmm. every every sports weekend, you know, wanted the best poets, the best DJs, the best whatever. Yeah. So, Baby Blue would always be there. Dr. Yeah. J would always be there. Starting from scratch would always be there. I would always be there okay. in, the, in the talent show portion. So, it's like because we were always like, the ones, yeah. it was when they when they reached out to me, I'm just like, yeah, no, this is a no-brainer. Like, yeah. Let's do it. Makes because sense. it's like, you know, at that time, everybody knew who, who, everybody who would pick up a Baby Blue album knew who Dwayne Morgan yeah. was, right? It's just like a synergy thing because you would see us all because we were that group of young people just doing things at mm-hmm. that time. Right? And what a lot of people don't realize is if you grew up in Canada in the 80s and 90s, once you've seen another black person, you're just happy to see another black person. Mm. We're friends now immediately. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then now, especially that we're in the arts doing stuff together, so then clearly it's a close-knit community. Yeah, know? I mean, it, it was, you know, people have to understand how different, you know, things were like when, you know, when we were coming up because mm-hmm. it's like the infrastructure that's in place today and it's still not even a great infrastructure mm-hmm. didn't exist. You know what I mean? So when I see like, Boy Wonder producing all of these things and getting Grammys and all of these things. You used to listen to a song and be like, oh, that's Canadian. Like you could just tell uh, the Canadian had a Fisher Price sound to it (laughs) that no other song on the radio had. I spoke to somebody about this. Sonically, you could tell right away, even if they're mixing, trying to blend it in. No, this does not sound like that song. Mm -hmm. You could tell. Yeah. So we've gotten to a point where it's like, now you just don't even know. Now everything is on par. 
And it's like, so we had to come through that whole phase. Yeah. And again, so when I see people again, like Maestro and stuff, who who went from that phase to like where he's at now mm-hmm. and stuff, and he's still there and he has the respect that, you know, from people as, yo, this guy's a legend in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that stuff is so important because people don't know how far, you know, we had to come. And I remember, you know, back in the day, you know, Master T, when I did my first show, invited me onto his show. And this is back when, you know, Much Music played videos. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And there's no videos on Much Music again. No, it shows. Right? So, yeah. and, you know, he invited me on to talk about it. And I think that was one of the things that led to the success of, of the show is just having that platform to talk literally to the whole country. Yeah. I had people from Vancouver and different, like, yo, I saw you on TV. And like, yo, that was a big deal because what? there was no Facebook. There was no Twitter, no Instagram. So nobody could see you. Nope. Right? But so this guy being like, yo, come on my show. Mm-hmm. And he brought me on one time like with the band to like to, to perform live on the show. And I'm like, okay. yo, this is an awesome platform. You know what I mean? To just be able to, to come through. So it was also respecting those people who were in positions to make certain things happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so, you know, you always have to understand, like when I talk to the young people that I mentor now, and I'm just like, you know, y'all can send, you know, a mass WhatsApp and, and whatever. I can show you something that's like 10 pages long of phone numbers. <laughs> and I'm like, I have to dial every one of these phone numbers and be yeah. like, hello, is so-and-so there? Whatever. I didn't, I, I used to invite people in the mail. Yeah. Right? I used to we got put things in envelope, buy mm-hmm. stamps, all mm-hmm. these kind of things, sit there for a weekend, seal up things, put them in the, in the mailbox. Yeah. To let people know an event was happening, yep. right? You know what I mean? Like, so it's like when I see young people now, and we've kind of talked about this before, and I'm like, you guys have all this stuff that makes this so easy, yeah. and you don't want to do it? <laughs> Are you being serious? <laughs> I guess because they didn't live then, they, there's nothing to really compare it to. Mm. To them, it's just the internet is supposed to be there. Instagram is supposed to be there. It's this is how it's supposed to go. Mm. But us seeing it come from the beginning to where it is, we know different now. Mm. That's why I think probably older people are taking more chances on the internet and those stuff right now, opposed to the people that grew up in it. Mm. Because we didn't see it before and we said, hey, I could now sit in this little room here and potentially reach thousands of people mm. with a cell phone? Unheard of. Yeah, absolutely. And I even I mean, even some of my international performances just came from the internet. Yeah. Somebody saw something, heard something that they liked, they reached out and they're like, Hey, can you come here? Yeah. I'm like, sure. How wild how for somebody that started in ninety three, how wild is that to you? That somebody found me on YouTube or some <laughs> sent me an email, I've never seen this person before, and booked me to come to a country that I've never been to. How wild is that? I mean it, it for me, it's totally wild. Yeah. I mean, and even as you said that, because the first international, real international thing I did was in Germany. Yeah. And I assumed that, well, obviously this person is black right. because of the content <laughs> of my work and, and whatever. Yeah. And we ended up being the two last people in the airport because I'm looking for some black person and maybe he was looking for some white person. And we walked past each other over and over and over again. And eventually he's like, yo, are you Dwayne? I'm like, yes. (laughs) And then we're just like, oh, okay, man. Like, it was just us and the janitor. And it's like, what's going on? They're going to lock off the airport. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you don't necessarily know who somebody is, but they heard my work, they liked it, and they're like, yo, we want you to come and, 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 do that here and i'm like all right let's go that's so crazy yeah. you know what i mean i know um in 2008 
you'd put out a DVD called The First 15. Walk us through what The First 15 was like and then what you learned after the the 11, because now it's 26. Yeah. So what did you learn since putting out that DVD? And what did you learn before that DVD? Well, I mean, it's interesting because even even talking about, you know, respecting the the people in 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 the um, in the environment mm-hmm. that that DVD was produced by Master T. So Master T was like, I told him I was going to do this DVD, and he's like, Yo, I want to be a part of it. So you know, he he put the whole thing together for me. We worked on it together, the whole yeah. the whole thing, right? Yeah. So he's he played a big part in that particular project, right? Mm-hmm. And again, this is stuff where he didn't have to do this at all, right? But he saw me from the beginning, and he's like. Yo, you lasted doing this for 15 years? Yeah. I want to be a part yeah, of it. Yeah, it only makes like, sense. All right, cool. No problem, right? So we did a, a sit-down interview together, mm-hmm. and we put that on the DVD. So the DVD is like, you know, poetry videos, poetry performance, um, just kind of a, a look back at, you know, what 15 years has been like. And I mm-hmm. usually try to do something special for every five years, right? Okay. So that was what I chose to do for 15. So it was really just a matter of commemorating the fact that I'd been there for for 15 yeah. years doing something that most people said was impossible um, and really just highlighting, like showing video footage of me mm. in Europe and different yeah. things or Crazy. whatever, like stuff that people otherwise wouldn't see, yeah. right? Um, so that was pretty much what the first 15 years uh, and that DVD was about. And then then from there, it was, um, you know, still still writing, still doing a lot of, um, you know, international things. Um, but a lot shifted when once my daughter was born okay. 11 years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. and, um, and I decided at that point that I wanted to be home more. Yeah. Because I would, I would go and I would tour for three weeks and be in Europe and, and, okay. and, and just going from city to city, country to country. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like... You know what? I just want to be. I just want to be home. I don't want to yeah. miss stuff yeah, with her. Yeah, you know what sure. I mean? And now that she's older and we can FaceTime and different things, it's easier now. I can get away or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. like we can still, you Back know, connect. And I can show her where I'm at and different things or whatever. But when she was really young, I wanted to be home as as much as possible. So uh, a lot of the stuff that I used to do, I let go of after uh, yeah. that 15 years. Mm-hmm. And um, and so the next. The last 11 years has been really looking at um, how I've changed and how my work has changed mm-hmm. being being a parent, yeah. being a father, now being actually responsible for someone. Because I've always felt responsible for the community. Yes. But now I have someone who doesn't care if I'm happy, yeah. doesn't care <laughs> if I had a good day at work, yeah. just knows I'm hungry. Yeah. That's and looks it. to me. Figure it and out. I have to f- deal with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that direct is this person is counting mm-hmm. on me, you know, and how that changes and affects certain things. And that's led to, you know, the two children's books that I've written and, okay. and, and that sort of thing. Right. So so the last 11 years has really been about, um, you know, my growth and development um, into a man, into a father mm-hmm. um, with with a daughter. Yeah. Because, again, it's different when you have a son. For right? sure. 100%. A lot of right. issues come up. When you have a daughter that you got to figure out, yeah. right? Whether it be issues with her mom, issues you know with other women that you've dealt with in your mm-hmm. all sorts of things that you got to worry about. Hey, I don't want to pass any things on. You know, I don't. I don't want you know if I'm hurt or damaged in some kind of way. How do I make sure that that doesn't go on to her? I exactly. had to look at you know. In I grew up in a family where 
we didn't talk about love. We didn't talk about feelings, emotions. I love you and all this kind of nonsense. <laughs> like, what are you talking about, right? So, you know, so I even, so I wrote poems about, you know, making the commitment to myself to tell her that I love her yes. as often as I can. And the difficulties of that when you grew up never hearing it. Yeah. So what example do I have to draw from of how I'm supposed to yeah. do this when I never saw it, right? And, and, and it's important that, that I bring this up because a lot of times people will say, well, how do you expect someone to be a great dad when they didn't have a father figure? Well, if you didn't have a father figure, there's still a next man you could look at. Exactly. Who's doing it the way you want to do mm-hmm. it. And you know what it felt like not to have one. So you're going to try your best not to do anything that's going to bring up those feelings. Yeah, absolutely. You know I mean? He wasn't there, so nobody took me to the games. Okay, there's games. You're going to go to the game. So hopefully you're now not acting like the missing father. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's why things like, you know, the Cosby show and stuff is so important because mm-hmm. it actually showed us yeah. a way. It showed yeah. us. An example that many of us didn't have. Yeah, no, at all. Right? And be like, oh, you know what? We could do this. Yeah. We could actually have kids who who want to talk to us, who, you know, want to play with us and different things and share things with us. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to be so hard all the time and disciplinarian mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that. And we could actually just, just chill and they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we can actually give them some things that we never had. Yeah. And we can't use... I never got it as an excuse because mm-hmm. it's an excuse we hear all the time in, in yeah. the community. Well, I didn't have it. Yeah, I didn't have it. So then it's that's just supposed <laughs> so, to absolve you of everything. Yeah. Because I didn't have it, that's that's okay. Yeah, but if if you didn't have it, yeah. but you know that it exists, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a million dollars in my bank account, <laughs> but I know it exists. exists. Yep. So I'm going to try and get it because yeah. I think I would like that. Makes sense. It's no different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And this is a person that you created. Yeah. You're more invested than this money that's getting printed. You, you don't even know where it's getting printed. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just trying At to At least you know this, yeah. is the, hey, this is your youth. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's an excuse that we use. But, again, we have to hold each other accountable for mm-hmm. these things because the kids are falling by the wayside. None of them asked to be here. Yeah. Right? So, this is our responsibility to deal with certain things and to man up and be like, yo, if I didn't have it and I know that the example I'm drawing from is a bad example find a better example only makes sense because at the end of the day you can't say because i didn't have a father i ruined this kid's life yeah the kid didn't ask to be here the kid just fix it yeah the kid just wants to be the yeah. best wants the best of you mm-hmm. right and if you give your best knowing what you know to be the right thing yeah. they end up all right makes sense you know it <laughs> makes sense to me all right let's go back to 20 2008 mm. that seemed to be a really big year for you because that's the year you also won the harry jerome award mm. and that's a big 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 prestigious award well that was actually in 1998 98 98 i wow. won 20 years ago so i 98 i won the african canadian achievement award and the harry jerome in the same year i think i'm the only person who's yeah. ever won both in the same wow. year um and I don't know, maybe it was premature to get them, you know, yeah. at, at that point. But it's like, I was hustling. I yeah. was hustling. And I mean, and I, I had applied for the Harry Jerome in 97, and I, w- I didn't win it. Okay. And I taped the rejection letter to my, to my closet. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll never get an ex-rejection letter like this. Just like that. And I just, I just went in and I just worked and worked and worked and worked. And the next year we applied and I won it, right? Yeah. So I'm just like, I took Amazing. down the rejection letter and be like, all right. Put that's, up the that's plaque the and we're all good yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, So it was one of those things where, you know what I mean? 
part of it was my ego where it's just mm-hmm. like, yo, you know, if you're doing stuff, you always feel like you, no one's doing more than you. But it's, you know, it's, it's also very good to be humbled and be like, yeah, there's mm-hmm. other people out here who's actually doing more than you. you know I mean? <laughs> it makes uh, sense. But it, it, but it did, you know, make me want to work harder to actually try to get to that point. Because, yeah. you know, I've always had just this checklist of things that I want to do. You know yeah. what I mean? And I'm at a point in life now where it's like, I just ran out of things to check because I've done all the things and now I'm just kind of like yeah. looking at what are some next things that, that I can do. There's there's still a lot. There's Because the market has opened up so much now. Mm-hmm. There's still so much more. There's things that you can do that you didn't even imagine about mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely true. I mean, I've always tried to be, you know, very, you know, innovative. I mean, we closed it down now, but I had a mobile app where, you know, people could just go on and listen to my poetry and stuff okay. uh, on their phone, they're on the subway or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done two TV shows that I've produced. Okay. Um, what shows were those? I had one that I did with uh, Bell Fibe called Right in Toronto. Okay. And then I had another one that I did with um, Afro Global TV called uh, Poetically Speaking. Okay. So did those. Uh, I did a short film, yeah. um, you know, to kind of move into that world, and that was screened think maybe also in 98 i can't i don't even remember yeah. at the at the real world <laughs> film festival yeah um so i mean i've, I've done like one man shows like plays and, yeah. and different things or whatever so i mean you know i'm just i'm just keeping busy so you're an actor also i have acted yeah i've i've, I've been in a couple movies i've done i've acted in other people's plays i've yeah. acted in my own plays and stuff okay like that. so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you're, you're serious that's where it's going to even bring me back to the um let me see if i have my dates right 2008, mm. you were on the official Black History poster? Yes. That was 2008. That was 2008. All right, so I'm back to go. Okay, right. I'm good. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, How did that happen? Because anybody that knows that poster, if you get on that poster, you're official. Mm. You're 100% official. Mm. How did that even come around? Uh, well, I mean, that year they wanted to do the spotlight, make a, do a spotlight on men. So that was the only year where it was only men on the poster. And it was myself, it was Maestro and, and, and a couple other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert Small, who's the, uh, the gentleman who, who paints the, the painting every year. Okay. Um, yeah, he just reached out to me and he's like, hey, you know what? You know, you want to, I'm thinking of having you be, a, you know, a part of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like. Yeah, I'm totally, I'm totally down. I'm honored, and yeah, you know what? To go out to schools, even yeah. today, some schools still have it up in the schools, and I'm like, hey, look at me on That's this poster or whatever. Big, you know what I mean? It's like it is. It was awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. great. That's amazing. Cause you see that, you see that poster everywhere. Mm-hmm. When you look around, you see that poster. Those people seem like you can't touch those people. They're mm-hmm. almost like. That's all they are, are a painting. They don't exist. You can't touch them. Yeah. So to be on something like that, amazing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm not even sure if you understand how big that is to be on something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, it's for me, it's, it's really hard. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But it's like I do so much stuff yeah. that I don't always get the time to just be sit back and, and reflect and be like, oh, yeah. I did that. Or, yeah. oh, that was really that was big. Pretty, because yeah. it's like... I'm all, there's always something else on on the go and something yeah. else on the plate. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I have to get better at is just smelling the roses. Yeah. You know what I mean? And being like, yo, I worked hard for this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Even just really... Even for a minute, just say, okay, you know, all right, back yeah. to work. I mean, that's one of the... The one thing I'll say I always do that with is the star on the Walk of Fame at Scarborough yeah. Town Center. So, you see, you beat me. I was just about to ask you about that. <laughs> How? How did that even happen? That one is, um, you know, it's interesting because when they when they reached out to me, I thought it was like a prank. Yeah. I thought somebody was like pranking me on this. So I'm just like, 
you talking about yeah. you want to put me on the walk of fame or whatever in Scarborough? Yeah. I'm like, yo, I just write some poems. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then they were like, no, we're, we're, we're serious. We're, you know, you're going to be the person for the arts for, yeah. for this year. And I'm just like, all right, wow. And, uh, yeah, I actually cried a little when I was doing my acceptance speech and stuff right. because so many, like, so many people that, that have been a part of the journey came out that day. Yeah. And it's like, you know, at the Scarborough Town Center where they did it, it's, it's where they normally have Santa Claus and stuff, and mm-hmm. people are looking down from upstairs or whatever, and they introduced me, and, and people just started screaming and cheering or whatever, and I'm looking around, and I'm just seeing people from back in the day and whatever, and I'm just like, yeah. wow, this is Moment. this is ridiculous. Yeah. And, like, and I had my daughter there, and like she could see you know just my name in the ground and whatever, and it's like... Man, it's it's yeah. it's it's a humbling thing because it's like you know we, even when I talk to to kids about it, I'm like, you know, when I when I pass and gone, that's still gonna be there. People can walk on it and be like, yo, who was this yeah. guy? You <laughs> know what I mean? And then go and look it up, mm-hmm. right? And and to to be able to do something with your life, even something that you don't always think is, you know, high profile or whatever, but have other people see such value in it. That they give you this kind of honor is yeah. is, is such a humbling, uh, humbling experience. Yeah, because that's hard legacy. Because we're all working on our legacy. Okay, we want people to say this. We want to do that. But something like that, a star, until they move that ground, that's there basically forever. And mm-hmm. even when they do move it, they're gonna put it somewhere else, preserve it. That's hard legacy. Mm-hmm. If you were to disappear today, mm-hmm. never heard from you again. Yep. that's there forever. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yep. That's amazing. And then that's going to fast forward us now to let's get to 2017 or 18. You you were a candidate for NDP. 2018. Okay. How did you get into politics? Um, well, they actually reached out to me. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they're just like, yeah, you know, have you ever thought of it? And I was just like, hey, this is a real short conversation. Absolutely not. I'm yeah. not interested. <laughs> and then I talked to some people and they're yeah. just like, why wouldn't you do it? Like mm-hmm. it's it's pretty much what you already do, but it actually just puts you in a position to actually make more change around the things that you talk about, anyways. Yeah. And I'm just like, all right, I guess. Mm-hmm. So then I I call the people back and I'm just like, all right, tell me more about yeah. it or whatever. And then we went through the process um, to actually get you know officially on the ballot and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And then. Um, yeah, then it was a it was a hustle. I mean, it was a great learning experience because yeah. I mean, it's a whole different world from the world that I know of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and politics is a, a whole different beast. When you're someone like like me, uh, you know, and you put your work out there, then you go into politics. Everything is fair game. So people started looking at the lyrics to everything that I wrote and to this and that, and started making memes and tweets and this and That's that. That's how serious it started to get. Oh man, it was it was on next level. Yeah. So ne- every day, mm-hmm. some next thing. Oh, did you know Dwayne Morgan believes in it? Like they might take one sentence and yeah. be like, "Yeah, this is who he is," or "This is what he believes," or whatever. And it's like had like PR people calling me down, trying to be like, "Hey, what's up with this, that, or whatever?" And I'm just like, "Man, yeah." Like I had to like take stuff down off of Spotify, <laughs> this and that. What? Like, because, like, people were, like, people, like, with the with the PC party mm-hmm. were ruthless. They yeah. just went through digging, 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 trying to find anything, anything. that they could find. Like, yeah. and stuff from, like, even years ago, and it didn't, yeah. it didn't even matter. Like, it's like, so I'm just like, you know, some people are, are groomed for that kind of life. You, yeah. you know, it's like, 
it's kind of in the family or whatever, so they yeah. know from young, hey, don't do this, yeah. don't do this, Make or whatever. sure you know what you're tweeting or you're putting up. Yeah, all them yeah. kind of things, right? But, you know, for me, who speaks about community, who has a little sex poem here yeah. and whatever, it's like all these things is like coming to the forefront now, you know yeah. what I mean? Because you're, you're, you're throwing your hat in the ring. And, and a lot of it is just really just trying to, you know, distract people, discredit you or yeah. whatever. Shake you and see what comes out. Yeah, and it's just like, and they, and they, they tell you, you know, it's tough, but just ignore all of it. Yeah. Just ig- ignore it. Ignore it. And it's uh, every day, every minute your phone's going off. Oh, somebody like this. Retweet it. Retweet it. Retweet it. And you're just like, man, I want to respond. But they said, don't respond. But I know if I respond, I'm yeah. going to clap back in a way that yeah. it's not going to be good for me. So I'm this just is like, not politically correct. <laughs> yeah. And this is what I'm trying to be politically correct right now. Yeah, man. So it was, it was, it, it taught me restraint. Yeah. Um, patience. Um, you know, compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, but it was, it was good to to put myself out there in that kind of way and mm-hmm. be like, um, because I wanted young people to be able to look at what I was doing and be like, oh, I could do that. Yeah, makes sense. Right. You know what I mean? When it comes to your blackness, you wanna cut from me? Hmm? You wanna cut from me? Yeah, go for okay. How are you with camera? Let me just bring her down. And yeah, 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 yeah. Camera's good. It's just, um, uh, how, so, sorry, how long are you doing this one? Yeah, um, probably. Because you know you're over like almost an hour and a half. No, we're right now. Okay, let me pause this. No, you're almost at. <coughs> Wait, give me a second. No problem. Pause? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to change this back. I think I'm going to juice it. Okay. okay Tell me when. Let's go. One thing I wanted to ask you about was your blackness Mm. in a corporate setting. When you have to deal with a lot of these corporations, because we know you move around, you deal with a lot of corporations. How do they or how do you handle your blackness in that type of setting? Um, Well, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm black, period. So, I mean, when I go into um, an environment... um, the question is, how much of my blackness can they digest yeah. in this particular room? Okay. Um, and so, you know, I have poems that are, you know, hard-hitting blackness, and I have other poems that are, like, gentle, nudging yeah. blackness. So, yeah. you know, I kind of feel out a room and be like, all right, this is what I think they can handle. Mm-hmm. Um without going overboard or feeling, oh, this is too much for me or, or, or that sort of thing. And I mean, it's a, it's a fine line to, to navigate because at the end of the day, my thing as an artist is what do I have to do so that if they do this again, they think that guy was great. I want him yeah. back. Yeah. Right. Uh, or you could just be like, I'm going to do my own thing and they'll be like, they'll never have you back. And they're going to tell your, their friends to never yeah. go with this guy. You know You're what I mean? Rogue. Go rogue and just... I'm just saying what I'm saying. I don't care. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fine line and it's a nuance that, that comes with, um, you know, maturity and really being able to understand, you know, people, how to, how to look at a room and understand what is needed in a particular room, having enough material so that you have stuff to choose from so that you're not in a situation where it's like, I only have these three poems. So, uh, you know, this is going to just go how it's going to go. You know what I mean? So, you know, in, in any situation I can, I can finesse my way around whatever is happening. And I mean, you know, I always tell people that, you know, to try to write as much diverse stuff as possible, because I mean, I've 
I've performed in churches. I've performed mm-hmm. for the government. I've performed in strip clubs. I've yeah. performed, <laughs> you name it, I probably yeah, performed there. there. You know what yeah. I mean? And I have material that can go any environment. And so when people look at how do you last 26 years, yeah. it's because I have audiences that you don't even know about, yeah. right? So sometimes, you know, I'm busy, I'm working, mm-hmm. you're sleeping because mm-hmm. you don't even think there's an event happening yeah. that day. 7 a.m. downtown on King Street where it's a breakfast meeting. Yeah, it's like, so there's so many different things. And as long as you are creating material that can fit into all these different things, then there's always going to be people saying, hey, I want you to come here. I want you Mm -hmm. to do this and and, and that. And I've had so many, you know, awesome experiences, you know, from doing that. I remember, um, you know. I did a reggae festival in, in Barbados, and this okay. was before I even had their, yeah. their reggae album. And, you know, Luciano was the headliner for that. And it's, so they had, uh, they did a big TV interview. Is like they interviewed Luciano and me. Yeah. And I'm okay. like, oh, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, hey, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just like, I'm just but happy. yeah, in that, in that yeah. situation, it's like, yeah, you're just happy, but then you got to be like, yeah, of course I'm yeah. supposed to be here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, sure, Luciano's yeah. the headliner, but do you know who Dwayne Morgan well, is? Course, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it was, um, you know, so so many opportunities come from just having, just putting stuff out there, just creating, just writing stuff. And not everything that I write is the best of my writing ability, but mm-hmm. sometimes you just got to write stuff to put it out there and you just never know what's going to hit yeah. with who or wherever. And I've always been an advocate of just just put it out, put it on the internet, whatever. Somebody will find it yeah. and maybe something will happen. Right? And that's how I've always done my entire career. It's just, I just create and give it away. It makes sense because you have it in you to give. Mm-hmm. So why not continue to give mm-hmm. and see where it goes? Yeah. Makes sense. You know what I mean? Let's talk about some of your brands. Mm. I know you have three big brands. Mm. When Brothers Speak, When Sisters Speak, and Soul Slam. Mm -hmm. Those are your three big brands right now. Yes. Let's break them down. Give the people in mom a bit about these brands. All right. So When Brothers Speak, um, last November was 20 years that I've been producing that particular Mm. event. And it's the the biggest show of its kind in North America. And it's um, just a poetry show of black men from across North America speaking uncensored about whatever their experiences are. Okay. And uh, there's really, you know, nothing else really like it. You know, we have a lot of dialogues about, you know, not listening to black men, black men not having a platform to, to really speak. So I created that platform and, and it's, like I said, been going for 20 years, very successful. Um, the first Saturday of March, yeah. um, where is it? This year, I think it's the second Saturday, March 9th, we do When Sisters Speak. Yes. And that's always right around International Women's Day. And it's the, the same thing at first. Um, I left it. I thought a woman would do it. I thought a woman would see me do When Brothers Speak yeah. and be like, yo, I got to do When Sisters yeah. Speak and none did. Yeah. So I was just like, all right, I'll do it. Yeah. Right? So this is the 19th year for When Sisters Speak coming up in March. And I mean, and these, are, these aren't poetry souls like if you've never been, you can't imagine necessarily what I'm talking about because this We've is in a, a, a 500 seat theater yeah. where people dress up, they make it a you know a date, they go out to dinner first or they go out mm-hmm. to a party after or whatever. But you come, everybody sits down. There's nobody who has to stand up or whatever. You, people pay good money, mm-hmm. and that's the thing, right? People hear a poetry show and the tickets are like 50 bucks, and yeah. like what, what, you, what, kind of, <laughs> what kind of poetry show is this? But it's like I I I, del- I started the show in in the comfort zone I, yeah. at college. And Spadina and okay. you know no chairs people had to stand up and listen to this thing and I really at, at one point said you know what I have to elevate what it is that that I'm doing yeah. and I, a friend of mine 
did a show at the St. Lawrence Center for the Arts and he did this dance competition and I and I went there to support him and I'd never been to that venue before and I'm okay. like why would he think to bring his dance competition here and I haven't thought to bring yeah. my thing into a place like this. Yeah. I'm like I'm never doing it in a in a place like that again. Yeah. I need to elevate it and this is a, a facility that our tax dollars go towards. Okay. It's a city-owned spot that we don't use. So okay. the only time our community actually goes to the St. Lawrence Center for the Arts is for When Brothers Speak, When Sisters Speak, and the African Canadian Achievement Awards. Yeah. Other than that, they don't see people who look like us. So even working with their staff mm-hmm. uh, has been interesting because I had to teach their staff the culture of my audience. Got you. Because they have an audience that they're used to. My audience isn't that audience. No. <laughs> so when my show starts at 8 yeah. and they close the box office at 8.15 to go home, I'm like, Bridget, my people is just reaching at 8.15. <laughs> Even though the show started at 8 yeah. and I'm on stage, yeah. half of my audience is going to reach between 8.15 and 8.30 uh-huh. with some kind of excuse. So you can't leave at 8.15. Yeah. You have to stay. And now we've been, I've been doing shows there, I believe, 15 years now. And they tell me every time that it's like the only show, Brother Speak and Sister Speak are the only shows that they do there where people volunteer to work. Like yeah. everybody wants to work for those shows. Okay. Because yeah. it's such a different experience. It's such a different audience. It's such a different energy that everybody wants to be there on that night. Yeah. It's not like, ah, oh, man, let me see if I could duck out of work. Yeah. Nope. No, everybody yeah. wants to be they there want. and want to work. Okay. Right? So, you know, and that comes from, again, changing the culture. And that's about... The blackness, but it's like, all right, we're going to bring this blackness here and we're going to work with you to learn how to work with this blackness. Makes sense. Right. And a few years ago, they put out this little book about the the venue and it's like, oh, the St. Lawrence Center, home of the opera, home of jazz, home of spoken word. I'm like, home of spoken word. (laughs) Y'all didn't have no spoken word before me. But but now it's a part of how they brand themselves yeah. that this is a place where this happens, yeah. right? And, you know, they had me in that brochure thing and, and whatever. And it's just like, you know, sometimes, you know, if if we think small about what we do, then we're only going to be small Stay with small. what we do, right? Makes so sense. and it And people think that I make a whole lot of money when they see the ticket is like 50 bucks. I'm like, if you know how mm-hmm. many costs is coming out of that, that mm-hmm. 50 bucks before my piece is left. But I'm like... If I'm left with $3 per ticket, I'm lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, but but it's necessary to make sure that people understand that there's value here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times, again, and we talked about this earlier, if you just go to the little thing that's five bucks, this or that, you just don't think there's any real value there. Five bucks, yeah. ah, if it sucks, who cares? You know what I mean? But if I'm going to charge people 50 bucks, that means I'm going to try to put the best people on stage. I'm going to try to give you the best possible evening that I can possibly give you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, And I want people to, to know that there are things that are happening in our community that you can go out and it's going to be, you know, high class. It's not going to be anything where, you know, oh, it's ghetto or it's yeah. this or it's mara, that or mara, whatever. Gala, but gala, gala. Yeah, it's I mean? like, you know, we're going to give you some stuff to think about. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you guys go home and in the, on the car ride you talk about some of the things you just heard, you right? Can. And I think, you know, everything is balanced and there has to be balance, but I think that's part of what's missing. We need more yeah. of, of those things where it's like, yeah, you go out, you experience something, then you talk about yeah. it. Talk about, yeah, you know, when that guy said that, you know, it really made me think about X, Y, and Z and, and really open people up. a whole up. different conversation. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. right? So it's not that the event happens in three hours, 
but the event continues when you leave. Basically, right until the next year. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I, I've been to a couple of um, When Brothers Speak mm. and When Sisters Speak, and they're amazing. Oh, thank you. As you said, it's not like, okay, roses are red, violets are blue, the sun is great, <laughs> and so are you. <laughs> yeah, we don't, no, we don't, we don't no, do that. No, there. no, we no, don't, no. Yeah, we don't this, do is, this is the big boy place right mm. here and the big girl place. Yeah. And I mean, they came to perform. Mm. All right, this round here I'm going to get you into is called Rapid Facts. Mm. I spit off some quick questions. You just give me back the answers just as quick. All right. All right. What's the wallpaper on your phone? Um, myself and my daughter. All right. What's the last thing you Googled? Uh, recipes for a cast iron pot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, pretty interesting. <laughs> All right. Are you a cooker or a cleaner? Cooker. You're a cooker. All right. When it comes to reggae music, do you prefer dance hall or lover's rock? <laughs> uh, right now, I'm going to have to say lover's rock. Okay, fair enough. I, I can live with that. Mm-hmm. Who's the last person you called or text? Uh, that would be my daughter's mother. Okay. Where was the last place you've been on vacation? Jamaica. All right. Um, what is your hobby? Uh, Photography, I guess. Okay. (laughs) What song is playing in your car right now? Well, the radio was playing, so, um... Yeah, I couldn't even answer that. It was just the radio. It was just the radio. Okay. When it comes to food, you prefer curry goat or oxtail? You know, these are the kind of questions that (laughs) is very, very difficult, but I'm going to go with the curry goat. All right. I actually just cooked some curry goat today. All right. Okay, good one. (laughs) What's your favorite song of all times? Wow. Favorite song of all times, Redemption Song. All right. Who's your favorite artist of all times? Oh, see, that one's controversial Because no. <laughs> the original answer is R. Kelly. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's probably not the uh, not the time to actually uh, go into all that, right? So, <laughs> Wow. Okay, we'll just, you know what? We'll just leave it there because of obvious reasons. But yeah. I, I get it. I definitely get it. Okay, one word you say too much. Man, that's hard because I don't even talk all that often. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so a I word didn't... or a phrase? Mm. Yeah, I honestly don't even know. Yeah, you yeah. don't know. Yeah. All right, I'll leave that to, in your mind. All right. We'll get to the next. There's two more before we get to the end of the row. Okay. Are you an early bird or a late owl? That one's hard too because yeah. I, I find sleep boring. So yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm up <laughs> early and I, and I yeah, wow. I'm up early and I stay up late. Yeah. So I mean, if if I catch six hours, that's a good night. Yeah. You know I mean, like I'm 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 up early. I'm up late. I hear you. Okay. When it comes to social media, what is your favorite platform and why? Right now, I would say um, Instagram, just because it it seems to have more um, just more connection with me and 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 people that I communicate with, yeah. um, are more active on it, so I can actually check in with people faster on yeah. Instagram than any other platform right now. Makes sense. Last one for you: mm. introvert or extrovert? Complete introvert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so. 
weird because you're the one that stands on stage and does all this wonderful mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? From you came in, you've been so open, you're talking, and then you say introvert. That almost contradicts itself. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you, you look at the Clark Kent and the Superman and, and that sort of thing, and, yeah. and I know when I'm doing and I know when I'm doing Morgan and it and it's you. and it's a very clear line for me and you know right now this is an interview with Dwayne Morgan yeah because uh, you probably wouldn't want to interview Dwayne because he's real boring <laughs> um so you know I I know when to be on and then yeah. the minute when this is over you yeah. just go right yeah. back to you know I don't call people on the phone I yeah. like I, I prefer to text and write people and whatever okay because I don't I don't talk a whole lot that's just and you that's that's me all right Came to the end of it, the floor is yours. Mm. Big up anybody, say anything, anything you want. The floor is yours right now. All right, so, um, well, first of all, I want to thank you for inviting me to be on, on the podcast. Well, I, I, I always look forward to, to any opportunity to, to share. And I think, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm glad you didn't say, hey, do you want me to send you the questions in advance? Because yeah. I, I hate seeing the yeah. questions in advance. Because <laughs> Just flow. Yeah, you, you know, you always, yeah. in your head, you're just like, oh, when we get to this one, what's going to be the best answer <laughs> I could give to sound eloquent and intelligent and stuff? I'm just like, look, man, I let, let's just go with it. Let's yeah. just go. I don't care what you ask me. I said, yeah. ask me anything we're just That's gonna cool. go with it you know what yeah. i mean so i i love that it had that kind of you know flow to it mm -hmm. um i always got to give up uh, a big up to my sister um nikki world and, boss um yeah all the people out there you know jay martin ian espinay mm -hmm. um all the djs all, all the people who just out there hustling man because yeah. there's there's so many of us that you know are hustling in our in our own little ways doing our, our thing and and i just try to support uh everybody in in whatever way that i can and i just want to see everybody win yeah, true. This is what just yesterday I told somebody, I said, listen, if you win, that means I have the opportunity to win also. Mm -hmm. But if I don't want you to win, that means somebody's in some room not wanting me to win also. Mm -hmm. So whatever you do or think, somebody's doing the same thing for you too. So you always got to think positive, yeah, optimistic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What I like about you, this is our first time actually sitting down and talking. What I like about you is you've dealt with governments, you've dealt with diplomats, you've dealt with everybody. And you're just normal. You didn't come and hi, my name is um Dwayne Morgan, and yes, there's certain questions you could ask me and I might respond. You did not do that at all. No, I, I, I mean I'm I'm just whatever whatever situation you find me in, I'm yeah. the same guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like nothing, nothing that I've done, nothing that I've experienced, nowhere that I've been has changed mm. Yeah. who I am and yeah. I think you know I, I credit my grandparents for, for that and just really teaching you know humility mm -hmm. um, and just you know what you do is what you do yeah. it's, it's not who you are yeah. you know what I mean and, and just understanding that I'm just like everybody else yeah. you know I mean? no amazing this was a great podcast we could have gone on for hours <laughs> absolutely Could we just I'm gonna have to mm -hmm. invite you back yeah, a no couple problem. more times because we need the entire story mm -hmm. we couldn't do 26 years in an hour and a half mm -hmm. that's impossible you know what I mean? We barely covered a day. Mm -hmm. But the stories, your way of thinking, what you brought to the table is amazing. And I'm happy that you agreed to be a guest on the podcast. Yeah, anytime. Man. You know anytime. what I mean? So, Mr. Morgan, yes, thank you. My door is always open. Anytime you need anything, come back and let's mm -hmm. talk. We'll nah, chop it up. No problem. All right. This is Muscle for another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast. And we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com.